are now sitting at the wave table. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the wave table episode one. Uh, on the first episode, I'm joined by amazing Psytrance producer, Sporadical. But I know he doesn't only produce Psytrance. I've also seen him produce a variety of things when we were studying together. Uh, he's a pretty good all-round producer, in my opinion. Thank you. That's very kind. So thanks for joining me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and what you do? Thanks, man. Um, I'm Indigo. That's my real name. Um, I Yeah, I've been producing progressive uh, Psytrance under the alias Sporadical for uh, a year or two now. Um, I, yeah, I went to SAE with Ben and did uh, the music production course, so I've just been um, now branching out into other genres. I'm making a bit of bass music, um, um, a little bit of like sort of down-tempo ambient stuff. I'm really just wanting to get into doing live electronic music soon. That's kind of where I want to move. Yeah. yeah. I remember when we were studying, you used to make like sick neurobases in Operator. And I was like, <laughs> I never messed around with Operator. I was only on Serum. And I was like, how the fuck can you make these <laughs> sick things just in Operator, man? It's crazy. <laughs> Operator's, yeah. Uh, Operator's one of those ones where you have to spend like two hours around um to get a good sound um and until until you get the good sound it just sounds terrible so you just, <laughs> yeah. just stick with it <laughs> probably like yeah. a lot of a lot of post processing although i did that with serum mm. as well anyway mm. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so we were studying music production together and then uh i i went on after like a trimester break to continue with the audio course and then you mm. later did that as well. Are you still doing mm. that? Uh, yeah. So obviously with the whole COVID situation, um, I'm on break at the moment. I'm trying to decide whether or not I'll defer. Because um, if, yeah, if restrictions aren't lifted, it's not really worth paying the money to yeah. do an online course. Um, but I, I'm very keen. I'd love to go back. I'm really enjoying learning um, sort of more about the, uh, non-electronic music approach to um sort of recording and mastering and things like that yeah it was pretty cool like learning about the hardware in traditional audio production and trying to kind of apply that to electronic music uh with mm. hardware emulations and trying not to go absolutely overboard with compression and shit <laughs> yeah yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, it's almost like a different set of rules to doing a mix down of a non-electronic music track. Um, it's been really good to apply some of the knowledge I've learned from, you know, mix engineers that have never touched an Ableton session before yeah. um, to my own practice. And yeah, I, I look at compressors in a totally different light after absolutely. doing this audio engineering degree. Um, but it's, it's really cool. And I've seen some... Um, artists electronic music producers like do have you heard of rival consoles before he makes no. like sort of like ambient electronica amazing amazing producer um there was an interview with him where he sort of talks about um how he sort of intentionally uh doesn't overproduce his music he tries to keep it a little less uh polished um just to keep sort of some of that soul in there a bit which is something right i'm noticing more with like 
um, the the sensibilities surrounding um, mixing live music or, or like, you know, real instruments. It sort of seems there's less of a, a formula that, than doing it electronically, I found, or doing it to electronic music. Yeah, um, I feel like uh, with traditional mixing, it's it's pretty much just like if it sounds good, then it is good, right? Yeah. But it seems like <laughs> in EDM, there's like, oh, no, you got to have this plug-in on it. you got to have that plug-in on it. You know, what mm. are you doing if you're not doing this, <laughs> et cetera? You know? Yeah, exactly. It, it feels a lot more surgical. Like, even with, like, EQing and stuff, there's so many resources you find for, like, EQing electronic music that's just, like, you know, definitely cut this thing here <laughs> yeah. and, and put these cuts here and there and there. And it's, yeah, I know a lot of EDM producers that are, incredible mix engineers but it's sort of like there's no actual musicality to it there's no soul to what they're doing they're just following these rules really well but yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i see a bunch of those posts on insta that are like experiencing this issue cut at exactly this frequency (laughs) it's like you can't just say cut this frequency like it's it's Mm. a general frequency range not one specific thing um, exactly yeah yeah anyway how how did you get started um with producing because for me it was pretty much just like skrillex and pendulum <laughs> <laughs> oh nice <laughs> um oh like actually pr- producing i remember when i was in i was like 16 i think i went to a bushdorf and just heard psytrance for the first time oh really was so like- that was like your first experience with electronic music Oh, not not entirely. It was the first electronic music that made me want to make electronic music. Okay, I, I definitely, oh, I was so into Skrillex when I was in high school. <laughs> I fucking was all about Skrillex and Knife Party and like um, <laughs> yeah. um, Flux Pavilion and you know all those UKF people. Um, oh, but, but yeah, I miss those <laughs> YouTube channels and shit. Oh man, yeah, they were great. Um, but I think it was Psytrance or, or like specifically progressive psytrance that made me want to write psytrance because i really loved sound but i and i i shouldn't this isn't me talking shit about the whole genre but i just i wanted more from it i guess and so it was sort of like well it's very hard to actually find exactly what i want to hear from this genre so i was like well i want to make it myself um and after that, I spent like two years, I think, with, on Fruity Loops, having no theoretical knowledge <laughs> of how to synthesize or, or anything to do with anything aside from composition. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I went to SAE that actually, I, I wouldn't say I was a producer until I did the music production course, because yeah, up until that point, it was just mm, twiddling knobs until I got the sound that I wanted. <laughs> yeah yeah it was interesting but yeah so that's that, that's what got me into it um was psytrance and uh, not just psytrance like i i always played music i i played guitar and i was always into composing um i think when i realized that you know using a door you can sort of compose in your bedroom without any obligation to any other musicians and you can just sit there and you have unlimited creative potential i just I went nuts. Um, yeah, and but but yeah, it was initially funneled into writing psytrance. But you know, now I'm sort of breaking out, doing other things as well, which is fun. 
Yeah. I think it's um it's really good that you had like a a grasp on composition before you started because your mm. tracks seem to the sections seem to flow together quite naturally <laughs> and your music theory is on point like thanks man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it i find it really helps I'm, I'm really grateful that that was the background that i came from um but you know obviously people write music especially electronic music for so many different reasons um but for me uh yeah melodic composition is is my focus um and i just i love the the sort of sonic qualities available to me through electronic production yeah. but at the end of the day i still want to write music music that will like melodic music um but then you know i there's a producer uh, that makes side chance that i know that like actively says that all his he doesn't want he's not interested in writing you know he doesn't even view it as music it's just an exploration <laughs> of sound and that and that's totally valid as well and that's amazing for so many other reasons um yeah yeah it's it's cool but, to think of it like that because it opens up so many new experimental possibilities Mm. yeah absolutely and yeah i think that that's my favorite thing about electronic music is that we're we're getting whole like subgenres that are just like you know we're, we're just really obsessed with like this particular sound and we're just gonna explore that and take that push that to the mm. absolute max um and it yeah it doesn't even need to be that melodic or um you know rooted in traditional music theory which is really cool, I think. Yeah. Like, there's I think some weird side trance up there. <laughs> there's definitely some people out there who really are against it, but I think going forth, it's going to be the way because you can only do the mm. same chords so many times, the same melodies so many times, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, but to go back to what you said earlier about like not shitting on the genre, but you wanted to see something different in it. Um, mm. I think that's kind of what a lot of artists think, like when they first start out, it's just like, that, that's kind of the reason that people start creating because they want to do something similar to what they know, but they just want to put their own spin on it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Did you have that sort of sentiment when you started? Did you want to change the game? When you- uh, <laughs> when it, well, <laughs> when I first started, I was like, I didn't want to change the game. I just wanted to be like x and y but Mm. (laughs) uh over over time i've you know developed like what i want to go for um and incorporating metal into dubstep and Mm. i know there's a few people out there who do it but i feel like i want to just do it my way Mm. uh so yeah that's that's kind of just my vision i guess Mm. yeah well that's cool and that's, that's actually interesting because it's sort of like I've almost come the other the other way where I started out and I was like, I want to make it all different. And now I'm just like, well, actually, no, I just want to make my music. It doesn't matter if it's changing anything or if it's anything like that. It's just, yeah, it, it, there's so many reasons to create music. It doesn't have to be just to create something new or innovative. It can just be to express yourself, I think. So like I was saying, I really respect your composition and music uh, knowledge of music theory um Mm. do you have any advice for the producers out there who they feel like they've got good sound design good mixing um but they're just kind of lacking in the theory knowledge um 
yeah um <laughs> learn theory <laughs> that, that's a really <laughs> sit down and just yeah there's so many uh amazing online resources some of them are free as well for learning music theory um but i that that's not my only advice i because that can be really grueling um and yeah <laughs> It's 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 like learning another language. It's insane. It's definitely it, you know I was I learned it through uh, several different guitar teachers, and you know it was just they would just like drill this information into me, and I wouldn't get it. And then just one day I would, and um, and I I still have a very basic grasp on a lot of the concepts. Um, it's something I actually personally want to really really study in the future. Um, but I I would say that listen. Listen to music that isn't the music that you make, uh, yeah. especially if you're interested in making um, things with melodic content. Find lots of really melodic music and just listen to it. Uh, saturate your brain and your psyche with that, um, with that kind, with those kinds of music, and you, your brain will start to pick up the sensibilities um, and just instinctively want to write like that. Um, when I write a melody, I it's almost like I hear it in my head as I'm doing it. Um, and, it, uh, you know, I don't think that that's some like special gift I've got. I think it's just comes from all of the music I've listened to up until this point in my life. Yeah. My brain has just started to learn the patterns and learn what, according to those kinds of music, sounds good. Um, yeah. Just just listen to heaps of really melodic music. Um, and that that's sort of what's gotten me to the point where I'm at, I think. I think, yeah, that's some really good advice because sometimes I just have like weeks on end where I just listen to a bunch of heavy dubstep and then it comes <laughs> time to write a melody and I'm just chucking MIDI notes into Ableton like, okay, does this work? Nope. Next one. Does that work? Nope. Next one. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, And I, it's really weird. It's a very um important interplay between knowledge of music theory and just sort of yeah this understanding and having these musical concepts already like instinctively in your brain because um you know i i still get to the point where i'm just like i know what i want to write but i just i just can't like i'll just be there like trialing and erroring and it'll just be like this just sounds wrong and um you know and then other days it'll just flow out of me um but I think that, uh, that, you know, there are obviously musicians out there who have such a wonderful grasp of music theory that they're just like, okay, like when they're not inspired, when they're not feeling the actual genuine inspiration, they have um, actual solid concepts to fall back on. Right. And then they can use that as a framework to create something that they can then sort of add inspiration to. So I, it is really just the, the more music theory that you learn better musician you become um, totally yeah but then you know the more sound design theory you learn the better musician you become when it when it comes to creating things like dubstep or psytrance or you know anything sort of like edme and heavy um i think that that yeah that's the really interesting thing about edm is that there's it's not just music theory at play anymore there's so much more to it um and that's why you get people that focus that can make an entire career just you know, in a singular area of it. Yeah, you know, just, just making sample on- packs and shit as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, to kind of add on to the theory thing, I think a lot of producers are resistant to learning theory because they're like, I I can put notes in Ableton and it mm. sounds good. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then I know like per, from firsthand experience, sometimes I'll put notes in Ableton and it won't sound good. And from learning just a little bit of theory, um, it's it's been easier to make things sound good. Like when I get stuck, I have a bit of theory to fall back on uh, mm. to kind of speed up the process. So for anyone who's resistant to learning theory out there, I'll definitely advise at least getting some of the basics down. Um, yeah, there's some really good YouTube people out there for it. Mm, absolutely. And yeah, I, I wish I had off the top of my head could tell you other resources for it, but yeah, they're, they're definitely out there. Um, yeah, lots of online courses and yeah, yeah I think good I can't remember the, the guy's YouTube channel, but I remember the adult piano practice plan. I think something like that. It's just mm. like a half an hour practice thing per day, but it, it helped me quite a bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was, there's even, uh, resources for like ear training. Um, cause you, yeah. you can do like, um, sort of more audio engineering ear training where you sort of learn how to identify certain frequencies and sort of like compressor attack times and reverb tails and stuff. But then you can also do, um, sort of theoretical ear training. So you'll just like every day you'll be like, you'll listen to an interval and just eventually you'll start to just know that like, oh yeah, that's, that's a seventh or oh, that's a, you know, that's a third, um, just even that, even that yeah. just speeds up your process so much. I want to um, get there. That'd be so good. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, yeah. But yeah, no, it's really important and it's good shit. Get onto it. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't we talk about your recent release, I Dream of Ambiguity? Like, uh, what, what kind of, is there any artists or songs that inspired that specifically? um yeah yeah yes and no i think i it's instinctively the way i write is a lot like that um but that that's very much inspired by um i mean a lot of artists but there's two psytrance artists that very much inspire me those are smilk and terrafractal um they're both from melbourne i think actually oh, cool. which is great um but every time people listen to my, my music, they'll be like, oh my God, like that sounds like Smilk or that sounds like Terrafractal. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, cool, sick, thanks. Because <laughs> um, they're both artists that um, do really melodic um, things with their Psytrance. But it, it sort of Psytrance isn't well, it's known super well for having like really emotive melodies yeah. it's it's very trance driven it's very groove and rhythm driven um so it's really interesting having like someone like smilk who i guess just breaks out of the box breaks out of the mold with the way he writes his melodies and does make these more um beautiful sort of soulful um sounds in his music and i really like that so i i definitely want to do a lot of that and then Terrafractal is um he used to be a member member of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra so he's just got like classical oh. chops for days and it's just it's amazing it's incredible music it's like really orchestral but just like hard driving side chance it's great um but then also our rival consoles who I mentioned earlier he's a massive inspiration for everything that I make because uh he does just so much with 
like analog synths and um i just love that i love that synth sound you know those like really big sort of like wavy pad sounds um yeah it's just yeah it's so exciting um i guess that i just i'm really into making music that just makes you feel things and i'm also really into psytrance so it's kind of like i'm trying to combine the two of them i'm i'm yeah so that's kind of what i was trying to do with that is just like keep this like really big um ambient dreamy melodic feel and then also Mm. combine it with some um sort of like groovy chunky (laughs) dancey elements as well i i think it's a really good combination because for me like i'm a homebody like i just sit at home right so if (laughs) if i'm listening to psytrance at home i'm like this Mm. is kind of like too fast or too upbeat for me right now then mm-hmm. if i'm listening to something that has like very little rhythm it, i don't know i can't really it doesn't really do anything for me um mm-hmm. but you've combined like really melodic stuff with psytrance and i think like i could actually listen to quite a bit of that stuff mm, at thanks. home like it's just it's just nice to listen to and it has like a bit of a beat to keep you mm. working or whatever you're doing on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I think that is actually a big thing with Sideshows because I love, obviously I got into it through doofing, um, so dancing out in the bush to it. Um, and that is my favorite way to experience it. But um, yeah, I, I find myself very rarely listening to it unless it is somebody who sort of breaks the mold a bit. Um and tries to yeah make it more musical for other reasons um because yeah like if you're just sitting or if you're just driving even and it's just sort of like rhythm and weird psychedelic noises like definitely sometimes i'm in the mood for that but it's that's better enjoyed sort of dancing so i I think what i'm trying to make is music that is enjoyed um in all instances totally so (laughs) yeah i think there's there's a lot of um, good things that come from combining influences and genres and yeah, just mm. kind of trying to break the mold is really cool because you explore new places and yeah, like you gain new listeners who wouldn't normally listen to the genre and such, such as mm. myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And your mix downs are fucking good as well (laughs) like (laughs) uh, honestly that's still something i feel not entirely confident with i i had a lot of help with that track actually um a good friend of mine um gabe who goes under cyanor um he compiled the album (laughs) but he yeah (laughs) he he had me around and he's like all right we're gonna go through and we're gonna mix this down um and so yeah he definitely showed me a lot um with this track which is great Dope. i feel like my production really really um stepped up a level with making this track which you'd hope so because it took me a whole year to make <laughs> <laughs> which is wrong i should no one should ever spend a year on one piece of music it's i mean yeah. it depends like if you're working on it eight hours a day every day for a year <laughs> then definitely not <laughs> but it, if it's just like here and there like that's whatever mm. I've, I've got tracks of had working in the works for like probably two years. I mean, uh-huh. the ones that have been in the works for that long, I don't know if they'll ever see the light of day, but 
There's yeah. definitely some that from like six months ago that I want to release. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's so weird like going and working on a track that you started, yeah, like a whole year ago and, and going back and having to like incorporate your new uh, <laughs> updated production techniques with your like old shitty ones and like, <laughs> you know, like going back and be like, I wrote this little, I made this little pluck sound like a whole year ago. <laughs> sounds like garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, At this point, yeah. like I've got a really cool mixing template. So I think oh, if cool. I do that again, I'm just going to... Mm-hmm go into the track, render all the stems, and then just put them into my mix template. I think it'll mm. be much easier. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Do you have any um, templates or, like, any kind of specific processes that you go through when mixing? Um, no, and I need to. That's something I'm going to start doing now, um, especially I want to start smashing out music and that kind of thing. So yeah, I, d- I definitely need to make more f- templates, make things faster for myself. Um, I guess it's really interesting with EDM because you definitely mix as you go. Um, yeah. It's so important. Like for little things anyway, um, like say if you're layering bases, you know, you want it to sound like how it's going to sound when you're making it. So obviously you cut your, you know, your mid high sort of bass so it's not interacting with your sub bass and all of that stuff and then by the time that you've done all of that you've kind of on the way to having everything sort of mixed pretty happily um but i think that in terms of like a process um yeah i definitely level as i go um i will have like a a period at the end where i'll go through and just like adjust all the levels um i i like to sort of incorporate some of the sensibilities i was taught in the yeah in the audio degree so you know they, they have sort of really good processes of like you know you start off you get your metering right you have everything leveled correctly um then go through an eq and then compress and then eq again and then you know add reverbs and things like that um so i sort of follow that um i've been using a lot of multiband compression um, to sort of like, in a lot of ways, I could just use an EQ, but I just find that if you're using multiband compression, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't like permanently affect the whole sound. It's yeah. just, just like attenuating certain frequencies when they get too loud. Um, and it just sort of like makes everything a lot tighter. Um, if you're just compressing it rather than just turning it down. Um, so yeah, that, that was, a that was like my my project was just so um tanking by the end of that mix down <laughs> for that track because it's just like multi-band compressors on every single track <laughs> like, oh god <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i think that i don't know mixing something that i'm about to put a lot of work into and a lot of hours into so at at the present moment i i don't i wouldn't call myself the best um source of uh information or inspiration when it comes to that of things unfortunately i think um if you're gonna like make a template and stuff the main thing is to not get too specific with it Mm -hmm. um like my template is just groups and then routing pretty much and i just have like Mm -hmm. a side chain set up automatically because that's annoying to do on every track (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, what do you use for your side chain, by the way? This is uh, something I want to ask every producer. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> currently I'm just using the Live Eight compressor. Okay. Yeah. Do you find? It, sorry, have oh, you sorry. heard about that having less click than 
9 and 10? No, because uh, this is my issue. I, uh, this click is causing like phasing issues with my kick mm. and it's horrible. Um, so the Live 8 yeah, compressor. It's, it's like, it's transparent as fuck. H- how do you get that? <laughs> uh, so I, can't, I can't remember how I got it. I'm pretty sure like just someone who still has Live 8 installed just uploaded the ADG file or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, but I can send it to you after this if you want. That would be amazing. I <laughs> would love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, sorry to derail that a bit. Um, yeah, what were you saying before that? Um, you routing and sidechain group. Yeah. So yeah, my template. Um, I watched a video of this guy called Ahi. He does YouTube tutorials, and mm-hmm. he just broke down like the Skrillex show tracks EP. You know how Skrillex <laughs> like showed those. The project files for those two tracks um i actually didn't know about that but I'm okay yes yeah, it's, it's fucking that. sick <laughs> get to see inside skrillex's project files mm, pretty oh my dope. god yeah <laughs> do you feel enlightened now yeah after seeing that <laughs> basically like um any of the rules that were set like it just teaches you that you don't necessarily need to follow them because mm. he just had like limiters everywhere Camel Crusher going across the master. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Fuck, alright, well that makes me feel a little better about my (laughs) sessions. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I've just got a template based on that, but like kind of personalized to my own needs. Um, Mm. And it's doing pretty well. Like, I'm, I'm able to achieve some good loudness quite transparently, which is good for the dubstep music (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely um yeah have you watched all like the frequent tutorials for the dubstep stuff as well i've watched i believe i've watched a lot but not his Mm. most recent one or two because he doesn't Mm. pretty he's called frequent but he doesn't pretty infrequently right (laughs) (laughs) yeah he does There's, there's not heaps um i think I think I still haven't done all the Mr. Bill ones, which is ridiculous because oh, obviously everyone has to do the Mr. Bill <laughs> ones. But um, I, I think it's mostly just because there's so many, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, frequent has some really good tutorials for just making insane sound design. Um, yeah, do you master your tracks? Uh, I mean, these days, uh, currently I'm trying not to quote unquote master my tracks. <laughs> Because mm. I, I always used to do it and I felt like it kind of did, didn't did do the track justice. Mm. So right now all I'm doing is a bit of EQ on the master into a limiter mm. and that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't either. It's I think probably the most valuable part of mastering is having someone else's ears to just exactly. be a yeah. bit more brutal with it. And Yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, um, I, like you were saying, with mixing it as you go in electronic music, you've pretty much already got it to sound how you want. So there's not really much need to master unless someone else is going to do it and provide a different perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and God, you lose all objectivity when you're, you know, mixing, even just like producing and then mixing your own music. It's just, yeah, it's so nice to have someone else come in and just be like yeah no that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too bassy turn your sub down <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> 
right. So I think we've just about hit time. Is there anything? Um, Amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to say to producers out there? Maybe like, what's one one piece of advice? Maybe something you wish you knew right from the start. Hmm. Oh, that's a really good question. I'm <laughs> going to spend way too long trying to figure out the perfect answer to that. Um, something I wish I knew from the start. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example for me it's like yeah, i would pretty much just tell myself not to use a compressor until i know exactly what it does <laughs> yeah okay that's that's a really good that's <laughs> incredibly good advice i think that um i think that that's actually yeah good advice for everything don't use it if you don't know True. <laughs> how to True. use it i definitely remember somebody explaining to me how to do it funnily enough um, sort of how I should EQ everything and me going home and just being like, all right, and just cutting the shit oh. out of everything. <laughs> and it just sounded so minced. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I think it'd be very similar to that and that, like, don't learn the basic understandings of your tools before you start using too many you know learn how to use an eq before you start using a multiband compressor learn how to you, you know um synthesize on a subtractive sequencer before you start doing you know the fucking wavetable synthesis or additive Absolutely. synthesis um i would even say yeah like don't get any third-party plugins until you know how to use operator <laughs> and analog and most of the Ableton ones because yeah, it's there's so much with production. There's there's so much to learn, and if you just sort of like running around with all of these new toys, it, it makes it very hard to be very very good at um you know each thing. So yeah, I'd say teach yourself everything very methodically before you sort of start playing with really crazy versions. Yeah. Those and things. A, a lot of the time, uh, these default plugins can do a lot of the stuff that the third-party plugins can. It might mm. just be hidden or you're just unaware of it or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing um, how many like things you see on online tutorials that you're just like, oh, shit, I never knew yeah. that, <laughs> that that did that. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, for the longest time, I didn't know that you could mid-side EQ with Ableton's right? EQ. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. And also just like, yeah, don't over-EQ everything. I think mm. that's probably my main piece of advice. Don't like... Don't cut out a massive frequency band just because you think you should. Definitely use yeah. your ears. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, it'll just, by the end of your track, it'll, everything will just sound like pieces of itself. And- <laughs> I, I remember there was one track I did where I cut out, like, everything below 100 and, like, everything above 16K. <laughs> and it just it just sounded like it was coming through a phone. <laughs> Would have sounded great through a phone speaker, though, I bet. True, true. <laughs> Would have gone so hard. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Yeah, well, Do you want? Thank to, you so um, much for having me on, dude. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being my first guest. I'm glad to oh. start the podcast off with a bang. Oh, thanks, um, man. Do you want to give yourself a shout out? Uh, like, where can we find your music and your social media yeah, right. and stuff? 
Um, yeah, I'm on SoundCloud at, just under Sporadical, but you know, S P I R A D I C A L instead of S P O because that the correct spelling was already taken. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm also, you know, I've just got a Facebook page and stuff. And now that new track that I released uh, is on Spotify and all the Hell streaming yeah. services and Bandcamp and stuff. Uh, it's a Universal Tribe Records uh, compilation. It's a bunch of awesome artists on there so you know if you want to go and check that out it's out there and it's great so that was i dream of ambiguity by sporadical that yeah that was the track cool all right um thanks heaps man it's been it's been real it was great (laughs) great talking to you again haven't yeah like i was in uh, haven't been able to talk to many people. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just nice to see friendly faces again. <laughs> um. All right, cool. All right, bro. Thanks for watching, everyone. This was the Wavetable episode one. I'm your host, Astro Rain, signing out with guest Sporadical, aka Indigo. <laughs> see you later. See you later.